Hey guys, Justin here. Uh, uh, just a heads up, I, I am currently in the process of moving. So uh, we're, we're, we're kind of catch as catch can here. We don't have a treated studio. Uh, uh, the, the audio in this episode is a little bit uneven. It's all listenable, but just to give you a heads up, let's begin the show. The following is brought to you by Dustin Campbell, Daily Tech News Show, Michael Bolick, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, Will Harris, and Craig. Hello and welcome everybody to the Politics, Politics, Politics podcast for March 26th, 2021. It's your old pal, Justin Robert Young, again joining you from the empty studio in Oakland, California. We've got a a hell of a program for you here today. We are going to update our amendment bracket, the finalists... Four. <laughs> it's like Thor's the Warriors three. The finalists four will be revealed as we get ready for the semifinals of our greatest amendment bracket. We are going to have a, uh, a mailbag. People from around the world. What an amazing reach this podcast has. What an amazing trust you guys have in me. As folks from around the world sent me their tax returns. (laughs) I know how much some people, some listeners to this show make in a year because they wanted to show me their tax returns. I am thrilled, thrilled that you guys did this. And I am furious that we don't have a more simpler tax system. Insane. Also, somebody's going to put me on... On, on the block about one of my Biden takes. They want me to eat an L. We'll see whether or not that happens. And we are going to take a look into the New York City mayorals race. Not mayorals. They're not the royals. Just the mayoral race. The race for mayor. Bill de Blasio is headed out. Somebody will be headed in. And we will debut Andrew Zarian. He is going to be our New York mayoral race correspondent. So he came on to set the table in this episode and we will see whether or not. uh, Oh, no, we will definitely bring him back before the Democratic primary on June 22nd. Before we get started, though, a few updates real quick. Didn't take long. What did I tell you guys on Wednesday? I mean, I swear sometimes I, I, I just get tired of being right I get so tired of being right. Like, I might not always say what you guys want me to say. I know that I certainly wasn't as hard on Trump as some of the liberals wanted me to. I'm currently getting hate mail 
whenever I, I, I don't smash Biden as much as some people want me to on, on the conservative side. But if there's one thing that you can always count on is that when I'm right, man, I am right. And I would rather be correct in my predictions than morally correct, <laughs> because that's subjective. Morally correct is subjective. You all have different morals. I have different morals. We, 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 we can argue about who's right and who's wrong there. But when I say something's going to happen and it literally happens the next day, you've got to give me my flowers. So when I come to you and say that Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, kicking off his deadbeat dad summer has rolled out a 50 $2.5 million giveaway to New York farmers. You just know that he is going to start peeling off the checkbook. It's time for everybody to, to, remo- to, to remember how much they like that again. And they legalized weed. Legalizing weed on Wednesday, Cuomo said that he and lawmakers are inches away from reaching a final deal to legalize marijuana, saying reform is a priority this year to make the state the most progressive weed smoking state in the nation. Oh, it's it's just so hard to be this right. Real quick update here on the border crisis as well, because we're not going to spend a ton of time talking about it at all on this episode. But the border's got a new sheriff. Kamala Harris has been officially named by the Biden administration as the the voice of the border. Just so you know... A week ago, they had her and her husband touting the COVID-19 bill. So this is a surrender on the victory lap for the COVID-19 bill. We're done with that. Now Kamala is going to be out there talking about the border so Biden doesn't have to talk about the border. But I think this is a pretty crap gig for Kamala. There ain't a lot of solutions that she has. It basically just means that she's the one who's going to have to eat it. I don't know if I if I'd be thrilled that I that I was taking this on if I'm her. Now, the upside is let's say that these things ebb and flow and the crisis gets to be less of a crisis, then she can take credit for it. But you better hope. Meanwhile, Biden is saying that they are going to restore $700 million in aid to El Salvador, Guatemala, and Honduras. This is a win for the Trump fans. It's a win for Donald Trump. This was part of his plan to stem migrants uh, uh, from the border was to give money to some of the countries for which they were coming from to discourage them making the trek and encouraging them to apply for asylum in their home countries. Biden pulled that aid. They are now restoring that aid. Harris quoted on this saying, well, we are clear that people should not come to the border now. We also understand that we will enforce the law. I I know I've said it before. I'll say it again. Can you imagine? Can you imagine 
the, 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 what, what, what it would be if Donald Trump said, don't come to the border. Don't come to the border. I mean, when he did, I guess he said it a lot and it was, it was, you know, he just ripped for it. And now it's every other word out of the Biden administration's mouth. Don't come to the border. Don't come to the border. It's interesting. All right. That's, that's the border talk. Let's go ahead and begin the show. But first. We are joined once again to crown our uh, uh, finalist Four, the, the four finalists uh, for which will be our greatest constitutional amendment bracket joining me as he has all month. The one, the only, the, the muse and co-creator of the greatest constitutional amendment bracket, Brian Brushwood. I, I, at this point, like there's part of me that wants to get sued by the NCAA. <laughs> like, like, like we should just start using those words. Exactly. We, we, yeah, we're playing college men's and women's basketball, and this is our tournament. We are creating a direct competitor. <laughs> and then, and then when we get uh, 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 when when there is a civil trial, we say, uh, "Your Honor, may I point out just how fast this uh, civil trial uh, fell out of our bracket?" Uh, boo. All right, Brian, you want to find out who the 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 four finalists indeed are? Yeah. Uh, OK, I remind me of the competitors and I'll and I'll give my guess as to who I assume won. All right. Our first matchup was the First Amendment, the number one seed, freedom of expression, petition, gathering, religion, speech versus the Ninth Amendment rights not listed in the Constitution revert to the people, not the government. I mean, I think an economist might go with number nine, but I, I mean, number one, I mean, once you say the G word, once once it's like the right to worship whatever God you want and the state can't tell you what God to worship, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with number one. Yeah. No one listens to economists. 81 percent to 19 percent. The freedom of <laughs> least all of that stuff. God. Uh, uh, yeah. God don't know numbers. Uh, yeah, that, that advances in a walk. Milton Friedman's up in heaven. He's just like, well, actually, and God's like, I swear, out of my room, out of my office. No, 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 no. Out, 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 Milton, out. Uh, all right, the Fourth Amendment, no unreasonable search and seizure versus the Fifth Amendment, no double jeopardy. Uh, fifth Fifth Amendment is also also uh, self incrimination, right? Yeah, that's the one where where you're like, I ain't, I yeah, ain't gonna, I ain't yeah, gonna you're, talk. You're, you're gonna plead the plead fifth. The yeah. fifth. Yeah. Um, I, I in, in general, my predictions are always whatever I can most easily picture being a problem for me personally is the gonna be the winner. I don't I don't anticipate ever needing to be on a stand and taking the fifth. However. I can definitely picture a cop 
uh, well, actually, uh, <laughs> we all can. Thank you, TSA. Uh, picture a moment where somebody's rifling through our stuff and we're reminded that, like, I'm pretty sure there's an amendment that says you can't do that. So I'm going to say Fourth Amendment is is going to be the winner. Uh, and you're right. A uh, big, big walk there, too, as well. 84% to 16%. Holy cow, yeah. Uh, our third matchup, the Second Amendment, the right to bear arms versus the Seventh Amendment, the right to a civil jury trial. Yeah, we uh, we got some good notes on Twitter about uh, implications for the Seventh Amendment that we hadn't considered, but... But I think at the end of the day, uh, my guess is you don't really listen to who else is on the card. You just say Second Amendment. Yeah, looks like the Second Amendment is indeed going to make its way in to our semifinal round. Uh, A big, big winner, but not as big as the other two. 76% to 24%. So there was a little pushback on the Second Amendment. And again... For whatever, and obviously, I don't think I'm breaking any news here, that the Second Amendment is a controversial one in this country and uh, uh, something that a lot of people feel very, very, very strongly about and such that uh, that is every single time it's been in a Twitter poll, it has doubled the amount of votes as the, the other Twitter polls. And that was exactly the case here. Uh, as we uh, make our way down. Final matchup, the Third Amendment, no quartering of soldiers versus the Sixth Amendment, the right to a speedy criminal trial by jury. Uh, We've gone chalk. This would be the most vulnerable for a high seed to go. Is the quartering of soldiers going to continue in this tournament? I mean... Uh, the quartering of soldiers is, is number one, uh, like, like the, the, the mere fact that most of us are unfamiliar with that process, uh, uh, is a good indicator that we've done a very good job. It, it was so important that they wrote it into the constitution. Uh, and, 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 and since then it's never been a problem as best uh, as we could tell you, you could squint and. You know, we talked about eminent domain for a little although, bit. Although apparently that is is another amendment. Somebody pointed out to us that there's another amendment that actually deals with with eminent domain more more explicitly. Well, all I know is uh, in my entire lifetime, no soldier has showed up and just decided to, you know, sit on my dad's couch. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to say I'm going to say that that's a, a, a good job amendment. Uh, what an but, amazing Seinfeld episode that would have been. <laughs> <laughs> There's a soldier on my couch. That's Why my dad's couch. <laughs> he used to watch Cheers right over here. Sam Malone would walk in and then everyone would shout Norm. And now this guy wearing digital camo sitting there. <laughs> he's got he's an there. MP45 right there. How am I supposed to feel about this? Hey, Jerry. Uh, salute to you, soldier, says Kramer as the crowd goes wild. Uh <laughs> No, uh, uh, the third Elaine suddenly is like, well, I don't know. I think he's kind of cute. <laughs> it doesn't matter it how doesn't cute matter. he is. <laughs> he's sitting on my dad's couch. 
I like that this alternate pocket universe that we have where the Third Amendment was never enacted and soldiers can just sit on the couch and it's now musty TV fodder. To, to be honest, I want to squeeze another hour out of this bit. <laughs> out, of, out of our fanfic Seinfeld script of alternate history. Uh, all right. So, uh, uh, yeah, that, that'll be it. I'm, I'm, uh, any jokes that we have about the quartering of soldiers is going to be done in this episode. It went down 21% to 79%. So the Sixth Amendment also advances. Uh, are you ready for our semifinal round? The finalist four. Here we go. Freedom of expression versus unreasonable search and seizure. So this is Amendment 1 versus Amendment 4. Yes. My words or my stuff. Yeah. Like, and and by by the way, kudos to us for refusing to like define any terms. Like all we're saying is the greatest amendment. It's like, what does that mean? It means whatever you want it to mean. It's an internet poll. It means this is our, (laughs) look, look, congratulations, uh, uh, dorks. We got you to read Wikipedia about the amendments. That's what, that's what it means. You want to know what, if you want to yell at me, you want to, you want to tell me that it, it, it shows something about our audience, whatever. We got you to read about the amendments in your face. You're now more literate as citizens because we tricked you into learning something. So, so eat it. I have never, ever, ever wanted to be president, but now I'm infatuated with the idea of real quick, you and me have to get uh, married and then we can run together as <laughs> as presidents and our inauguration speech can begin with congratulations, dorks. We got you to read Wikipedia. <laughs> That's it. I mean, look, uh, uh, it's been a long time for us. To, to, to brush up on our constitutional amendments. I'm sure it's been a long time for everybody. Uh, okay, so we're talking about uh, freedom, of, freedom expression of expression versus search and seizure. That is, uh, uh, that is our, 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 our first matchup here. And, and that, that's tough because I've been fired up about Amendment 4 for about 20 years, but that was one. Wait, this that is got actually it. a great, you mentioned TSA. But I don't yeah. know if we've ever mentioned on this show your personal affront to TSA. Can you please describe your behavior at TSA throughout its existence? Because you are you are very particular. I have never gone through the full body scanner. I think they are beyond unconstitutional. I think that their sales were uh, a fraud, an inside job uh, to make a bunch of money. I don't think they work. I think they are uh, surrendering of our rights. It's a magic trick. Uh, I hate it beyond words. And so as a result, uh, up until I signed up for TSA pre, um, uh, I, I would always get in line, get all the way up to the front and say, uh, I'm going to opt out. Very quickly, I figured out that saying I'm going to opt out meant that everybody in the TSA says we got an annoying one here and we need to punish him. So they would wait 20 to 30 minutes to getting around to giving me a physical 
uh, pat down. So, uh, uh, or as I thought of it, 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 it's either the peep show or, 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 or the grab and grope. And I'd rather have the grab and grope felt honest in a way that the peep show did not. It's, yeah. uh, and so over the years I began to figure out that, uh, the, <laughs> I began to figure out that, uh, a way to speed up the process would be to adopt an unattractive posture, which usually meant sitting down cross-legged, <laughs> bored as hell, face in my hand, like, ugh. <laughs> Just make a scene. Without, yes. without you making noise, how right. do you how do you physically just disrupt business as usual? And so Brian waiting, realizing that they are they are either in terms of not moving as fast as they could or deliberately trying to punish you. If you wanna cut down that time, you make yourself a nuisance so them getting you through benefits them and so you well, and, would sit and, and, cross-legged until they not, dealt with you. Not not even an active nuisance, just just a, a passive um, blemish on on the system. Like, uh, so, so it's like, oh, so my job is to wait until somebody calls me. Well, 100% of the time you wait 10 to 15 minutes. So I'll just wait while I sit my ass down yeah. and, and, and play Hearthstone, whatever, just leaning back, maybe, maybe legs a little bit kind of splayed out. Like, like I because own a little people, more of this people territory. are looking at you and they're talking to each other and they're like, that's really weird. Why is that dude just yeah. hanging out there? And it's like, well, because he told me to, they're like, no, no, no. But what we meant was for you to stand there politely. I'm like, yeah, that's not happening. Yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm, play, I'm playing some Hearthstone right now. I just want to, illustrate because a lot of people who are listening to this are not familiar with your entire story at the point that you were doing this before tsa pre when you were a traveling performer on average how many trips through tsa so imagine all all trips if you just went there and back are two trips through the tsa how many trips through tsa per week were you doing five <laughs> So five, five, five times five. a week, you're sitting down on the floor waiting for people because that's how much you believed in unreasonable search and seizure. And you well, felt that those machines were unconstitutional. It, well, it, it, it literally is unconstitutional. And it's like you can't you can't give a backdoor of a right. And then when people asked to exercise it, punish them. And, and that, that's the part that really got my beef, right? Where yeah. it's like, it's like, it's like, look, I'm not worried about you seeing my balls. I'll show you my balls right now. In fact, I'm, I, maybe I'll make an OnlyFans account just to prove <laughs> that I don't mind anyone seeing my balls. Uh, but, but, to, but, 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 but to see them, you have to actually read word for word, all of the fourth amendment and then click through like that. Like that, that that's, that's your EULA. That you that send to get to the me a of. video of you reading the fourth amendment aloud and yeah. I will send you a, a picture a, of your a, balls. A link, well, a link to my OnlyFans uh, <laughs> uh, that has my balls. Uh, yeah, uh, you want, I, yeah, you still want to control the copyright on it. So let's make yes. sure that we keep it behind I mean, the paywall. They're my balls. Let's be clear, <laughs> right? Yeah. But, uh, but, but it's, but, but, but the Although freedom of expression. Mm, do you have OnlyFans without the First Amendment? Uh, uh, you know what? Uh, I did not feel like I was free to express myself 
when they told me stand over here, we'll be with you shortly. And I'm like, I know what that means. That means 15 minutes and then, and everybody forgetting me. And so, uh, let me just sit down Indian style, lean back arms behind the head. Here we go. Mm. So, yeah. uh, which I yeah. always used to joke was basically you were doing everything up to pulling out your colonial fife and like playing the like, uh, uh you know, old revolutionary war. Like, doo, 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 doo. I mean, I mean, I mean the, the funny part is if I had done that, I'm pretty sure they would have just ushered me straight through. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, man. That would, yeah. You would have reset TSA. All right. Here we go. Our, our second and final matchup in. Our finalist for the Second Amendment, the right to bear arms, matching up against the lowest seated amendment to make it this far, the right to a speedy criminal trial. Yeah, I, 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 I uh, hey, Internet, uh, I, I tried to read your mind once. I don't, uh, not anymore. <laughs> let me, let me know how this one shakes out. Uh, although, uh, my gut says that, 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 uh, second amendment folks are fairly committed to second amendment, you know, just automatic. Things. I will, I will say this. If we are to track the voting, the, the second amendment ones have been the most controversial. They're the most amount of votes. Like, if you were to tally up all the votes that came in in the opposition for them, uh, it probably would have won most of the other brackets. It just didn't win against the support of the Second Amendment stuff. I suspect it is getting linked to something outside of our community because the aberration in in the amount of votes seems to be consistent with that. But at the same time, uh, this. Second Amendment has a, uh, uh, you know, it, it is it is a cornerstone of a portion of our society. It, it is the most, would you say it's the most controversial amendment? Easily, right? What else would be more controversial? I mean, if you mean, is it the one that is discussed the most? Then a hundred percent yes, but 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 in terms yeah, I mean, of if you were if you were to sort sort by sort by controversial on Reddit, like like there's nothing and 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 all the amendments had their own thread. Nothing right. would would be more controversial no, it's, than it, it's definitely a love it or hate it kind of thing. Yeah, uh, I mean, if you were to guess, this is gonna go chalk. It's gonna be one versus two in the final and boy howdy would that be a slobber knocker unless somebody is able to pull the spoiler unless people are, are really really fired up about your uh search and seizure stuff or the opponents of the the right to bear arms and let me tell you this guys i've done many polls of this audience I can tell you that the majority, if you add up all the super progressives and all the Democrats, that this is a left leaning audience by by the listenership. If just the listenership votes, the Second Amendment could go down. And maybe this is the week that that happens. Maybe we do see speedy trial versus the First Amendment or search and seizure. It all depends on how many of you guys go out and vote when we put these things up on Friday. I 
am just going to throw this out here. Please don't hold me to it. But but I I wouldn't be surprised in the least if uh, the way you speak at a polite cocktail party is maybe not the way you spend your money when nobody's looking. Um, The Second Amendment is... I, 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 I've got a few guns. Yeah. Uh, I fire them very rarely and mainly just to make sure that they're still working or whatever. Yeah. I have no intention of ever harming another human being full stop. However, I derive great pleasure uh, from knowing that when slash if things get scary, I've, I've, I've at least knocked that, that item off the list of having the ability to defend my family. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if, if uh, second amendment is one of those stealth um, uh, democratic things where it's like, there's a lot of saying one thing, but doing another. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I, I have nothing to back any of that up, but, but uh, I uh, yeah. I, don't know. I mean, look, the polling is uh, 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 fairly consistent in terms of uh, uh, opposition for it from liberal causes. It raises the most amount of money whenever you 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 run against it. So it is what it is. We find out in the greatest constitutional amendment bracket what will make the finals. Head on over to our Twitter px three tweets to vote on it today. When this podcast comes out on Friday, it'll likely be up there at that point. And uh, anybody who responds to the tweets, uh, we will be seeing them and we'll be interacting. I mean, does, okay. So hypothetically, we're down to to amendment two versus amendment one. I mean. Let's not get ahead of ourselves, but yes, possibly, possibly. I'll hold off, I'll hold off. I mean, because, yeah, we have to do a whole thing on that next week. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Brian Brushwood, thank you so much. At Schwood on Twitter. We'll see you next week. They asked me, did I go deep in my bag? And I tell them, I showed it. You can always email the show, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Again, theyoungamerican at gmail.com Lauren kicks us off I wasn't going to send an email because I was sure somebody else would but on your last show you read a comment in support of the 14th amendment and yet you still did not address my point the 14th amendment has less to do with citizenship after unification and more to do with African American rights It was specifically written to ensure the citizenship of former slaves. Until that time, these individuals had no rights whatsoever. This amendment states that anybody born on U.S. soil is a naturalized citizen regardless of their lineage. Of course, our government denied Native American citizenship until 1924 with the enactment of the Indian Citizenship Act. Nevertheless... It is imperative that you fully research such matters before speaking on them. I hope you shall do so in the future. Good day, sir! Uh, Lauren, yeah, gonna, <laughs> gonna admit, didn't do as much research on this as uh, probably should have, but I know now this is a learning experience. I'm what you call an experiential learner, which is what people who are lazy call themselves, because we have to burn our hand twice on the stove to learn that it's hot. But that's me. 
Ronell writes, you know, I can see why the Second Amendment beat out the 15th Amendment, not because of some gun rights forum they may have given a link to. Because the 15th Amendment didn't help people of color vote in large numbers because it allowed loopholes of literacy tests and grandfather clauses. It wasn't enforced until the 1965 Voting Rights Act. So in retrospect, this amendment wasn't as strong as it could have been until it needed another law in the 1960s. Rennell, please find my mentions whenever people say that uh, everybody who listens to this show is racist because they voted for the Second Amendment over the 15th Amendment. Let's get into this tax situation. Because I asked people from around the world with simpler tax systems than we have to write in. And boy, howdy, did y'all, including a few people that literally sent me their tax returns. I can't imagine doing something like this. I have loved podcasts for as long as podcasts have been a thing. Some of them have moved me. They have changed my life. I've re-listened to podcasts. I'm currently re-listening to the Harmontown podcast just because I, I, I needed a big backlog. So whenever I ran out of new stuff, I could just go back and slowly work my way through stuff. But never, never in my life would I think about sending my tax return to a podcast? I don't have the bravery. I don't have the strength. A few people do. Let's let's begin. All right. Zach from Australia wrote in and said, the ATO, the Aussie tax office, has an app for Android and iPhone where I can claim all of my deductions as I go that are applicable to my job that isn't already covered by my job itself. The major one, at least for me, is uh, kilometers to or from the work site. There are plenty of other options, plenty of ways to do it, such as Odo, GPS, but you can also claim other expenses. This is all formulated and spat out into a single, normally less than a page summary that can be expanded for further detail. It will also give you the summary of expected returns, so you have a chance to remember things that you forgot to claim before submitting things to the tax company. Then, in a week or two, the debit or credit ends up being added or subtracted from your bank. I'm no tax expert, and a lot of people go to the tax agent for assistance, but they fill out the exact same forms more or less the way we do anyway. The only thing that they get from the tax agent is a degree of separation if things go wrong. Zach, oh my God, that feels, that's it's, it's so good. But not as good as Nick from New Zealand, who sent me his tax return. What a beautiful man, Nick from New Zealand. Thank you for reading my email last week. For independent contractors, there's a little bit more of a mutual involvement in telling them your situation. Basically, the automatic system does the work for uh, before you have a chance to add any extra income that the IRD wouldn't have known about on the IRD website, minus any deductions you want to make. Then they use your tax code to calculate all the relevant information, and the system continues as normal. We don't have any state and local income taxes because city councils are funded by property tax rates, so it makes things a little bit easier. And then he attached his, it's four pages technically, but one is blank. So it's three pages. It honestly made me mad. It may be mad. I am a fairly unrepentant American exceptionalist. I love this country. I, I, am, I am all in for red, white, and blue uh, founding fathers, monster trucks, 
uh, I'm a real American, fight for the rights of every man. I, I know that our mistakes are our strengths. We are a Hollywood protagonist. You might not like us in the first act, but woo, you will learn to love us. And I am here to say that when it comes to our tax system, we suck. We suck like big time because V-Guard, V-Guard, another international listener who wrote in last week, he also sent me his tax return and it was one page, one page. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? Three pages in one page. I swear to God, our tax return this year was 90 pages. 90, 90 pages. Good God. David wants to get up in my, my, up in my business. David writes, I seem to remember you adamantly insisting that if Biden was president, we wouldn't see or hear from him after inauguration for months. I haven't heard you, you take the L on that one. Um, I don't really know where that came from, David. I, I, I certainly joked around that uh, one of my favorite tweets from Jack Allison before the election was the Biden presidency. And then he described uh, a, a medium post that says the riots must stop with a picture from the Obama era of Biden. So, I mean, I, I, I made jokes about it. Biden did just have his first full press conference yesterday. And it was fine. He took, you know, an hour's worth of questions. But it's not like, again, this is the first one he's done in, in 60 some odd days in, in office. So, I mean, there's that. He's been very managed. Um, You know, he hasn't done a lot of stuff. Like, I think what he did, uh, his, his first big interview was with George Stephanopoulos, which... Might as well be, you know, a press release. So, like, he hasn't exactly gotten out there and answered a bunch of hard questions. You know, he hasn't he hasn't uh, uh, put himself in a situation where he had to react really fast. But I, I don't think, at least I don't remember specifically hitting him on the idea that we never see him. So, no, I will not eat the L. You keep the L. And maybe if you find a reason for me to eat it, I'll eat it later. Michael writes, dude, did you see that the EU doesn't want countries outside the EU to receive EU vaccines until EU quotas are met? And that includes the UK on a percentage basis. The UK is outperforming the EU and vaccinating their countrymen, making the EU look bad and further justifying the Brexit plan. Why is this not getting ink in the news? European infighting is uh, what makes the U.S., Here's what he's talking about. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson is going to urge the EU national capitals to veto a suggestion from Brussels that would block the AstraZeneca vaccine exports to the UK and push post-Brexit relations to a new low. This according to, I believe it was the Irish Times I pulled this from. London has laid claim to millions of doses of the Oxford AstraZeneca COVID-19 uh, shot that is produced at a Dutch factory sparking a fierce battle with the European Commission, which says they should be used in the EU. That would be pretty dirty. It'd be pretty dirty pool by Brussels if, if, if this was developed in, in cooperation with Oxford 
And the UK has wanted to to put the you know uh, slam on the gas with this thing as much as they have, and then all of a sudden the EU is not doing so well, and they're like, "Meh, well, maybe I take it." You know, the EU is kind of looking at the UK with that like "it for me" meme with the two finger guns pointed at each other. Uh, of course in, in America, we do love it when, when the European countries fight with each other, specifically now that we have like a clear dividing line, uh, you know, this is, this is probably the closest that the U S has felt to the UK because now they're not Europe. And so, you know, I feel like there's, there's, you know, a, a, a like, Ooh, like Europe's all doing crazy Europe stuff. And, and now we can, we can root for the UK in general or root for Europe. Right. Because there's a lot of people, especially in, in big liberal cities that are like, Oh no, now, now, uh, uh the UK is the Visigoths backwards Neanderthals. One might say Leslie writes, I would buy a t-shirt with COVID shots, equal body shots. All right. All right, Leslie. Say no more. We'll get working on it. And finally, M writes, I really want people to know my opinion because I'm self-centered and I think I'm correct. This is about not wanting to talk to pollsters or at least the conservative desire to not talk to pollsters. We live in an era of big data and I'm afraid that the person polling me will associate my replies to me and sell that data to whomever wants it. I'm rather private about my political views, and I'm not interested in giving it away so some jerk can sell it to the world. Now, M, I don't know whether or not you're way too paranoid or an actual prophet, but throughout all that discussion, I had no inkling about asking about whether or not part of this is the fact that people are scared that this is going to get sold to the social graph. And you're going to talk to some pollster and the next day you're on a website and you're getting served a bunch of like, you know, uh, from my cold dead hands, t-shirt chum ads. That's interesting. And that's the end of our mailbag. The young American at gmail.com is where you send us an email. The young American at gmail.com. You want to know why it matters to be a member of the $3 club? You want to know why it matters that you go to takepoliticsseriously.com? Because, you know, as, as, as much as listening to two hour-long podcasts each week give you, it, it, you know, sometimes there's limited space for me to talk about things. There's also limited space for me to sort of like cover things that are bubbling up on the radar. Things like the Missouri Senate race. And it was first on a PX3 Extra that I told you that Eric Greitens, based on the tip of an emailer, was looking to run for Senator of Missouri. And it's now official. Once 
tarred by scandal and run out of the Missouri State House as governor because of an embarrassing scandal involving possible revenge porn blackmail with a hairstylist. Eric Greitens will now look to sidle up next to Josh Howley as the other senator from the show me state. Again, you first heard about this on the PX3 Extra, if you are a member. So congratulations if you did. If you didn't, then just know the next time that these things bubble up, there's one place that you can hear about it. There's one place that you can hear about it, and that's going to TakePoliticsSeriously.com and signing up for the $3 Club. That gives you a hundred and four bonus podcasts in a calendar year. That's a lot of value. A hundred and four bonus podcasts in a calendar year. And they're the timely ones, the reaction podcast. Guys, I can't thank the folks that have done it already enough. I feel like uh, if, if, if I took testimonials, in fact, that's what we might do. We might just do testimonials uh, uh, from here on out. Just so you guys know that this is not a, a bad investment if you care about politics. TakePoliticsSeriously.com, powered by Patreon. Sign up at the $3 level today. For all intents and purposes, the next mayor of New York City will be decided on June 22nd. That's when the Democratic primary will pit all comers against each other to replace Bill de Blasio as the party's standard bearer. It's going to be a tough job to inherit. New York City has faced an exodus of business after being crushed by the pandemic in 2020. And now the front runner for that gig is somebody who's only entering their second political race ever who's never held an elected office, Andrew Yang. To discuss all of this, we need a real New York guy. A guy from Queens. Indeed, the creator of the Guys from Queens podcasting network and our new New York City politics correspondent, Andrew Zarian. Welcome to the show, Andrew. Hey, Justin. Thanks for having me, man. I, I don't think I've ever done this one. I've done every other show you've ever done except for this. I know, I know, I know. We're gonna we're gonna uh, kind of uh, uh, peel back the curtain a little bit and and uh, let everybody realize that uh, when you've been doing podcasting as long as Andrew and I have, like uh, eventually we all become experts on whatever field you know your your friends are doing podcasts in because they need uh, they need somebody to fill in. But this is something yeah. that we've actually talked about. Offline, and and that is, uh, we are proud to announce that Politics, Politics, Politics is bringing on our New York mayoral race correspondent, Andrew Zarian, uh, the, the the guys from Queens Network. We're, we're happy to be doing business with you. Welcome aboard, sir. Oh, thank you. You know, I, I told someone I was coming on the show and they responded with, are you announcing that you're running for mayor? <laughs> so <laughs> maybe, said, you know, what a swerve. 
what a swerve that would be. All right, so so let's go ahead and 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 start here. Uh, De Blasio has been mayor for two terms. How many terms? So he's in his second. He's at the end of his second term. So prior to that, De Blasio, uh, De Blasio went into office right after Bloomberg, where Bloomberg had changed the law where he was able to run a third term. Yeah. Something that Rudy Giuliani wanted to do right after 9-11, and it was just – it was turned down. It was it was not possible to do. But de Blasio was – but Bloomberg was able to do it, but it got reversed as de Blasio went in. Gotcha. To simplify it. Yes. So now we have uh, our, our great leader, Mayor de Blasio, running this wonderful city. He's coming to an end, and now we – you know, it, it's – it's a it's a real mixed bag of candidates. I'll, I'll say that. Well, before before we get there, let's let let's see what what the the, the lay of the land is. Uh, we are now coming up on a lot of milestones and, and many of them in New York City are really, really grim, specifically where you're from out in out in Queens that was hit the hardest with with covid. And, and I got family out there that was. You know, uh, terrified. I know. I know. Uh, you guys were, uh, were were going through a lot, and 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 the city itself was in pain. A, what is the mood of the city now after COVID? And and B, what is the sense that uh, De Blasio did what kind of job during it? Uh, so I, I'm right now while we're doing this. I'm in Midtown. I'm in Midtown Manhattan. My office is in Midtown. Uh, outside of podcasting, I, I also have a series of gigs. Generally, it's business consulting, business strategy and business consulting. Yeah. So uh, I can tell you the mood amongst business owners, not good. Yeah. Uh, the mood, um, I, I, it, it's actually terrible. The mood amongst business owners and, and even real estate, uh, landowners, real estate uh, people, business owners, the restaurant industry has been gutted. Uh, we're looking at about 200,000 jobs that are never coming back to the rent- restaurant industry. And I think people a lot of people don't realize unless you're in the heart of Manhattan and the heart of New York, you don't realize what a what a significant part of the city uh, the restaurant industry is, the nightlife yeah. industry is here. So th- that's one thing. But I would say, you know, as far as the mood goes, um, not great. Uh, and this is why I always say words matter. Uh, the perception matters and words matter. And depending on. Uh, our mayor's words and our governor's words, you could see the tra- the change in the city for that week, which is which is actually fascinating because generally no one gives a crap that the mayor is doing a press conference or, or our governor's doing a press conference. It never affected day to day life. But now it's become such a surreal environment to live in where everybody's hanging tight at those 1030 and 1130 conferences that the mayor puts on or the governor puts on waiting for some sort of guidance. And depending if that guidance is positive or negative, you're seeing a drastic swing as far as business goes and, and mood goes in the city. So when, when you say that the mood is, is bleak amongst business owners, that is in results to the lockdown or, or, or strategies on when stuff was open, when stuff was closed, how long, right? Yeah. I, I, I and I, I want to say that, you know, I'm very pro business, as yeah. you know, you know, yeah. I, I've always been this way. Uh, my opinion has not changed uh, on, on how businesses should be run. And, and, you know, I'm very much for let businesses operate, but I also do understand that something had to be done a year ago. Yeah. We couldn't have, we, it, it, it was, it would have been a very grim, even grimmer than it was a uh, situation if we had, you know, kept things open the way that it was going. It, it's an impossible task. And this, this, this virus would have been far worse and the outcome would have been far more bleak. But uh, the, the issue is the lack of guidance and the lack of 
uh, milestones that have yeah. been put in front of these business owners where, you know, you have people and I'm not even I'm not even talking about the banks, you know, like the big hedge funds and all those. Forget about that. Right. Those aren't you know, you're talking about multi-billion dollar industries that, you know, a year is not going to devastate. But yeah. you do have mom and pop shops. You do have, you know, just business restaurants, uh, all other businesses just getting by or, or, you know, getting by enough to to sustain a decent life that we're told, listen, the doors are being shut two weeks. That's it. Don't worry about it. And two weeks became a year. And the guidance that was set as to guys, listen, if we hit this point, then we could open. Or if we hit this point, we could open. Never been provided. Yeah. And it, it's, it was, it, it, was, it, was it was it was always just we'll let you know. We'll let you know. Maybe maybe yeah. we could open. Maybe we can't. So I think it's, it's really affected people on the way that they function day to day. And um, w- one interesting aspect is, you know, I'm. I was out last week. I was walking around the city in Midtown around Bryant Park, and I'm seeing all the restaurants that are closed. Some are open. Some are closed. Some are closing at 9. Some are closing at 11. Ones that are scheduled normally to close at 10 are closing at 8. So I I think the long-term outcome will be inconsistency because people are so uh, disenfranchised with everything where they're like, hey, you know what? We're not busy. We're going to shut down. And that's not how the city operates. Just because you do have a perspective on this and and I want people to to grasp, like if you run a business specifically in hospitality in New York City, you can't just afford to leave something closed. Right. Like like, like the, the, but, but between the rent and, and what it costs to to hire people in in the city, if it's running, it's got to run at a fairly high level to even make your nut to, to open the doors, to make it worth opening the doors. Yeah. I'll give you an example. One of the, one of the businesses that I, that I help with their strategy, with their marketing strategy has a location in the heart of times square. Okay. okay. Yeah. They, their rent for a basement restaurant, it's a very well-known restaurant. I don't want to, I don't want to name it. Obviously yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to put the, the owner in, in a position here, but, um, his rent is about $178,000 a month. Okay. Jesus Christ. And the response from the city, and by the way, his landlord has been very, very understanding with with delaying payments. But again, you're still gonna have to owe that money one day. Yeah. Either you're gonna do some sort of, and and you would probably understand this, uh, some sort of net split with the revenue that's coming in, or deferred payment, or extra money every month. But you're gonna have to start paying that rent. And no matter how many times, and he's been very vocal about this, the city's answer to him is, well, you should up your takeout business. Well, how much takeout can I do to sustain $178,000 of rent? Yeah. It's it's an impossible task. And uh, once again, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that the city should not have responded with a shutdown or a state or the country. What I'm saying is there should have been some sort of guidance and preparation for these poor people that are now sitting in limbo with – well, I could do 50%, but I can't serve drinks more than two hours. The table has to leave in 90 minutes. I can't have a bar. You know, it, it's – if we can't do it today, when can we? Yes. When are we looking at doing it? And that's all these people want to know. And, you know, state officials have not given any response. City officials have not – you know, borough leaders have given no assistance with this stuff. I mean they go out – and this is the part of politics that I hate. They pander. They go out. They go and they do you know, ribbon cut- cuttings and press conferences talking about revitalizing certain areas. But you're, you're talking about it. You're not actually doing it. Yeah. 
One of the biggest criticisms that I had of both de Blasio and Cuomo uh, a year ago, uh, while while everything was really, really bad, is the fact that they hate each other. And it's no secret that they hate each other. And that's fine when they're barking about the MTA. That's fine when they're barking about the state budget and and de Blasio is complaining about the fact that, you know, uh, uh, you know, not enough is coming to the city, but it's, it's not fine when you're dealing with a situation like they were dealing with. And, and the fact that they were never really able to get on the same page, uh, uh, I think was, was a deadly one for, for, for New York city. Yeah. I mean, it's been eight years and they've never been on the same page. Uh, you know, our, our governor, Uh, I would consider him a right leaning Democrat and our mayor is a is a far left leaning Democrat. So they they have very different ideologies as far as how the party should be run, uh, the goals of the party. Uh, Cuomo, I would say, represents a more New York state mentality. Yeah. While de Blasio has alienated a majority of the Democrats in the city, which is a detriment to the party. Uh, you know, uh, forget about forget about talking about, you know, my party affiliations or, or alliance. Uh, I, I'm, well, I'm a centrist. Uh, fun- than functionally, fun- functionally, functionally, in terms of state politics, New York, like California, is a one party state. Like there it's is nominally there is nominally a Republican Party. And every once in a while, somebody very rich in New York City, like a Bloomberg or or a Giuliani who has like a, a law enforcement background can rise up and snipe the mayorship. But like that's pretty much as high up as any kind of Republican goes since Pataki. If you are a Republican, you have to have very deep connections within the unions. Yeah. Uh, the unions will sway the vote and um and, and and obviously, in certain areas of New York City, the religious groups in those neighborhoods have a detriment on your on your election. And if you're able to hit those couple points, you will become mayor of the city. It, it really has nothing to do with my vote or the guy living next to me. It really has to do with the union, uh, the union uh, endorsements and the religious endorsements of that candidate in the city. Uh, not not so much the state, but in the yeah. city. Yeah. Uh, all right. One, one quick thing uh, out the door on de Blasio, and then we'll get into who's going to replace him. Uh, he's just gotta be, I mean, if, 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 if he doesn't get run out of town on a rail because of, of what's happened to the city, at least he'll do it. If he dies by the hands of an angry mob of business owners, he will do it with a smile on his face, considering what's happening to Cuomo, right? Like, like, yeah, he, I've I've said this for eight years, and this is one of those moments that I don't know one person that's a fan of his. I don't know Cuomo or De Blasio. Cuomo or De Blasio. For De Blasio. For Cuomo, actually, he has a ton of fans. Even even with the scandal happening with the hospital, yeah. with the nursing homes, and even the allegations against them, there are people, Democrat and Republican, that will defend Cuomo. Yeah. Because of his father's ties, and you know he's very New York. He's very connected here. Uh, De Blasio, on the other hand, I I have no it's it's actually baffling when you look at it. Uh, he won he won both elections based on not having a competitor against them, yeah. not having a proper candidate on the other side. But by the way, Democrats, the Democrat Party also didn't have any other candidates. He was the best one. He was the best of the worst. And he's made a career for eight years out of being the best out of the worst. And that's how do you run a city that way? You know, how do you how do you get people to 
be behind whatever movement you're you're starting to start. He's a terrible communicator. Um, as you can see, I'm a big fan of his. Well, I mean, <laughs> and again, and again, my 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 problems with him had nothing to do with his political con- affiliation. It has to do with his lackadaisical attitude towards running uh, the city, which is a the biggest city business. in the world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the most, or, sorry, the biggest city in America, not the world. Uh, you know when. Just one more thing. When you have a mayor that's saying, good, let them leave, you know, when you're talking about the ultra wealthy or you're talking about, you know, the hedge funds that are leaving or Goldman Sachs that's taking eight billion dollars away and going to Miami with their high net worth uh, investments that you can't respond and say, you know what? F them. Let them leave. Yeah, we don't need them. You do need them because guess what? You're taxing these guys. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, know? if 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 what you want to do is finance a big social safety net based on the taxing of of those individuals, then you really should. You need them to stay. Like you can only. You're in California. It's the same same conversation over there. Well, it's so funny. It's like you know, I'm moving to to Austin, and I just wonder how many times in in the next six months I'm going to be at a bar, and half the people there are going to have barter MTA cards. You know, because <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I feel like that's that's where it's gonna that's where it's all going to empty out. Uh, uh, that in Miami. All right, so let's let's let, let's switch gears now and talk about uh, uh, replacing uh, De Blasio. As you mentioned, this is kind of the first time that there seems to be any kind of interesting mayoral race in a while. Maybe maybe when when Bloomberg was running, you had some some interesting and close races, but not through De Blasio. It, it and it appears this time that uh, a boy experience is not. Uh, at the top of mind, at least in early polls for New York voters, the far and away front runner in this early going is Andrew Yang. Yeah, I, it, it's it's fascinating to me. So, um, you know, it, it will most likely be a Democrat. This is the, whoever wins this primary, the Democratic primary, I believe next month, May, Mayish, um, will yeah. be the mayor, most likely. You know that, that I mean, just going statistically, unless something changes. Well, some, the somebody swing of somebody would have to if there was a Republican that was going to play. We'd know the Republican by now. Like, like you would well, you would well, know we do. who it was, we do, right? Okay, we, we're living we're living in a dystopian 1980s future where Curtis Sliwa, the the, <laughs> the founder of the Guardian Angels. Yet I see him by the way in Penn Station almost every day patrolling. He still Patro- patrols. He's still patrolling with his crew. Uh, I, I feel right, like for, this for younger for younger and international listeners, because I don't feel like if you're outside of New York that you necessarily know who the, the the Guardian Angels are. Please explain the concept of the Guardian Angels. So at one point in the city, the city got so bad. I, I mean, it, it, it almost sounds like a joke, but the city got so bad it turned into a dystopian film where the police were no longer able to control the crimes that were happening in the city, where a group of of I guess militia uh, uh, yeah I guess they are they were they were friendly militia started yeah. patrolling the streets of New York City and fighting back against crime so you had I mean it was just a rag te- it was the mighty ducks of police work yeah and it was it was a just rag- a bunch of bunch of goombas with with uh, 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 red jackets and and was did, was it the berets did they wear the berets, the berets yeah I mean, you know what though it says something about the unity of New York no there is no other scenario where you could have Curtis Lee while a man that was kidnapped by the mafia stabbed and shot and jumped out jumped out of a car to save his life that man is running a group of you know uh, 
disenfranchised, a disenfranchised Puerto Rican kid that's fighting back because he was bullied. Yeah. A, a, an Asian woman that just immigrated here, a white guy that's fed up, uh, a black guy that's trying to take back the neighborhood. I mean, it really was a collection of angry New Yorkers, which is actually amazing to see, you know, yeah. unity. You know, you could unite people of all different backgrounds when you have a common cause. But it was almost like a running joke here in New York that the Guardian Angels were defending the city. And uh, it, they're back. I mean, it just says something right about what's happening in the city, that the Guardian Angels are still patrolling. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, uh, uh, you know, you for for me growing up, because I and we're, we're we're about the same age, but you actually were living there. Like when I was when I was growing up, New York City. I remember like the magazine covers of like, is the city, is the American city dying? Like is yeah. New York city, is Detroit? turns out they were right about Detroit, but, but not about New York city. New York city kind of came back through, through the nineties. But, but part of it was the reaction to the fact that things had gotten so bad in, in the late seventies and early eighties. Uh, but then why, especially if for many, some of those bad old days seem like they're coming back. Crime is up. Uh, uh, you know, unemployment is up in, in, in New York city. Why would you want to turn to somebody without experience like Andrew Yang? What do you think the pull to Andrew Yang is? Uh, uh, he, he was able to generate a really good buzz online. Um, you know, he, he's, he's interesting. He's an interesting character. He's different. And I think that stands out. We saw that in 2016, yeah. Uh, with, with the presidential race, how how having someone outside is appealing to many people, I think to Andrew Yang, he's appealing to a younger demographic that doesn't really know where they fall politically. Yeah, I think he's very appealing to that because he, he is a business guy. He's very pro business. He's very tech friendly. Uh, but on the other side, you know, he, he's a Democrat. He has a lot of core values that appeal to a lot of progressives, but also to the centrist Democrat. He, he's an interesting individual. I don't know how much longevity he's going to have because I could see the turn starting to happen. And I don't know if that turn are, is politically motivated as hit pieces from other influences. Yeah. But, you know, when you start seeing the Daily News, which is a left leaning paper here starting to uh, make fun of him for riding the A train to the Bronx. Yeah. Uh, that's not great for him because this is the point that we're in the point where he needs to be elevating himself as the guy, as the, the, the front runner. And I don't think he's done that. I think he's done a lot of great uh, PR stunts. Yeah. But I don't think he's, he's really said anything for me, especially for a New Yorker to say, you know what? I'm really behind this guy. Well, I mean, so far, he's got two very, very key advantages. Number one, uh, fundraising. He was Tremendous. a fundraising uh, a dynamo in the presidential race. He is uh, proven to be such with uh, his mayoral campaign. Uh, B, actually, no, three things. The second thing is he's he's running this mayoral race without his fastball from the presidential one. He ran as the UBI guy. He wanted to do UBI federally, and, and he's not really running on that. In terms of New York City, he's not running as, yeah, as, as, as a universal basic income ca candidate there. The third thing is what kind of gets us into our next segment, and that is name recognition. Amongst all the candidates, people know who Andrew Yang is. They don't necessarily know who anybody else that is running on the Democratic side is. Uh, what can you tell us about the other folks who are running? 
Well, I, I could tell you being here in New York, the name that I'm hearing generally is less Andrew Yang and it's more Eric Adams. Okay. Uh, Eric Adams is the name that, you know, when I, when I talk to people, even at city hall, because based on my business, you know, I deal with a lot of people from the state and from the city yeah. hall. Um, the, the outlook, if I were to predict a winner today, I would say it's Eric Adams. And this is going very early. I mean, we're actually not so early, but the conversation here in New York City has not been heavy on the mayoral race. Yeah, uh, there's virtually any conversation about this election, which is a little, little daunting considering we're in the middle of a pandemic. That one of the globe, uh, terrible global pandemic. Yes, uh, the city is not operating properly, and there's very little conversation. But to me, Eric Adams, uh, he's the current borough, uh, Brooklyn borough president, uh, former cop. Uh, he, he seems to be the guy that a lot of New Yorkers are looking at for some sort of leadership conversation. Uh, and he's actually the only one that's really breaking down a lot of those key things that a lot of New Yorkers want to know about. I have yet to hear Andrew Yang's, you know, he, he did a good job at upsetting the, the, the teachers union, by the way, I'm not, I'm not against Andrew Yang whatsoever. I'm sure, not, yeah, I haven't yeah. made my decision. I'm just going based on what I'm seeing. Uh, he's upset the teachers union, which is never a good thing. Uh, the police union is not a big fan of Andrew Yang. Well, I'll, t I'll tell you what, let's, let's kind of break that down because this is yeah. something what I think is, is very, very interesting. If there is any kind of fundamental shift in our modern politics, and this is both on a local level and a federal level, it's that boy, if you are ever going to attack the teachers union, now's the time to attack the teachers union. Oh, because yeah. Because there's yeah. a lot of, and you are the parent of of two young kids. I don't know. I, 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 they're not school age, are they? Are they? No, no, yeah. My, my daughter's in preschool. Both my kids are in preschool. I got, okay, they're, I got, they're, they're a year yeah. apart. My, and by the way, my wife's a teacher. She's an educator. Okay, so there we go. Yeah. But it's like, a lot of parents, boy, do they want them kids in school. They want those yeah. kids in school ASAP. And, and, uh, uh, even out here, I knew, I knew that the teachers union were vulnerable when I saw my friends out here in San Francisco that are about as left as left can get. They start retweeting like, Hey, the science says this, when can yeah. we actually make this happen? Like, I, uh, I think if there is ever a time that Democrats can attack the teachers union, like we're, we're, we're at that, we're at that point now. Yeah. And I think I think for for Democrats, it's, the teachers union is heavily Democrat here. Uh, I, I think I, I, I think I think I think I think it's heavily Democrat everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So when when you have, you know, it was a detriment with the way that the teachers union and, and the city decided to do remote learning was an extreme detriment to the kids. Uh, it, it really set all these kids back by a year. Remote learning does not work. I experience it with, with children. It works with high school kids. Yeah. Easily you could do remote learning. Uh, maybe higher grade middle school kids, you could do remote learning. But if you got, you know, K through five, remote learning does not work. It, it's it's a it's a it was an experiment that they attempted and they realized it doesn't work. And now they're doing a total change of course here in the city. The mayor is talking about how restaurants should not be open. Uh, we need to do a reverse co course in opening businesses in the city, but he's very much for sending all the kids back to school, which is starting, I believe, on uh, today. A lot of kids report back to school and on April 7th, they report back to school here. So we have eliminated remote learning totally. Yeah. Uh, vert I mean, essentially for every possibility. I think they're still doing it in some scenarios, but they realize that it doesn't work. And a lot of the parents are very upset over this. Yeah. That their kids were used as guinea pigs. Yeah. For a project that everybody knew the answer would be it, it's a failure. 
Well, uh, uh, let's let's take a look at the polling. This is the most recent poll that I was able to find, uh, and that is that Yang currently is at 28%, according to a poll from Fontes Advisors and Core Decision Analytics, which city polling, opt, I mean, even in a big city like New York City, uh, city polling is always very, very difficult to do. Yeah. But uh, Eric Adams at 17%, the closest rival, uh, uh, that that's still a double digit lead, that, that a very slim d- double digit lead for Yang. But but you would say before this primary on June twenty second, you would expect that to close, if not eclipse, even further. Yeah, I I think I think it's going. I think it's going to get much closer. I think right now people have been very distracted by everything else that's happening. And um, what, what what's fascinating is, and this kind of this this speaks to the city. Uh, if there was any, if there was, this was any other major city in America other than Detroit, right? The Republican candidate would be a, a topic of discussion yeah. considering how poorly the city has been run. Forget about, forget about the last year. The, all the city's problems started way before last year. Yeah. Uh, we were on the verge of this. I think what, what this was is a hyper acceleration of all the issues that we've seen homelessness over the last four or five years has become a tremendous issue. And, and I, uh, that's attributed to, to poor mental, mental health, uh, assistance more yeah. than anything else. So when, when you look at this, you have to really be honest and say, okay, when did the problem happen? Unfortunately for the Democrats, it happened during a, a Democrat mayor, a, a, a very progressive leaning Democrat mayor. If this was any other city, the Republicans would have. I mean, they'd be they'd be foaming at the mouth because yeah. this is their opportunity to gain another 18 years. Because I I consider Bloomberg a Republican. I mean, I know that he's he's gone back and forth. He was independent. He's a Democrat. He's, he's yeah, a Republican. He's, yeah. He, he, but he got he, voted he was, in. He was a Republican mayor, right? And he was the, a Republican not, mayor. Yeah. And then yeah. he became he was a Democrat. Ran as a Republican mayor because of the Giuliani effect in the yeah. city. And for, you know, he ran three terms. We had three terms of him and another eight terms of Giuliani. Uh, you know, Republicans had a lot of control in the city. Yeah. They, they, but it, they, they, it's the one of the most unorganized parties uh, you could imagine. New York City and New York State, the Republican Party is just gutted. It, it's very splintered. It, it they have no they have no grassroots movement, no ability to fundraise like the Democrats do. They cannot do any kind of neighborhood uh neighborhood leadership, uh, because the reality is majority of the city is, is Democrat, but the Democrat, you know, the Republicans have two candidates, Curtis Sliwa, like we talked about the guardian angel and, uh, Mateo out of Staten Island. Uh, I believe he was the, ta- the taxi and limo. He was in charge of, the ta- he was the president of the taxi and limo commission. Um, no one from Staten Island's getting elected citywide. I, well, you know what? The other, the other Republican front runner was also from Staten Island in the previous election. And all people would say they couldn't even remember her name, unfortunately. And they would say, oh, the very nice Greek woman from Staten Island. That's how yeah. she was described in the city, which is nuts. This is someone running for mayor. Um, I, I this is so when I look at when I look at this, if you have no Republican candidate, which you really don't, unfortunately, yeah. for the city, um, Eric Adams would be the one that would get the Republican vote because he's a cop. He's a former yeah. NYPD cop. And. You know, at the end of the day, if you hear if you listen to him and I really advise anybody in New York City to listen to him um, again, I'm not saying that I'm endorsing the guy or I'm behind him, but he's the only one that I've really heard play it closer down the middle than anybody else. Yeah, because because Yang is trying to say I'm third way. I'm I'm a new way of thinking yeah. like we need to th- toss all the paradigms out the window. And, and Eric Adams is 
no, I'm going to run as a centrist Democrat. Uh, yeah. But a, a law and order Democrat because of his his uh, police background. You know, even in even in um, uh, like heavily, heavily Asian neighborhoods like Flushing, Queens next yeah. door to me, uh, even my neighborhood Bayside, it's heavily Korean and Chinese. Um, the conversations that I'm hearing from just the people in the neighborhoods and even even people fundraising is OK. But you you haven't even said what you're going to do for our communities, considering everything that's happening with Asian attacks within, you know, obviously the buzz phrases, the buzz terms are in. Everybody's using them. But what is your actual plan with this? What are you going yeah. to do to assist? And really, he, there's no direct answer from him. And I think that's this is gonna Yang. Be the Yang, you're talking which about. is Yang. And yeah. I think that's going to be the detriment in the next couple of weeks for him is, OK, you have all these things that you're saying. Give us the plan. Politically, what I think is fascinating about Yang now is that he's going into his like third month as the front runner. He kind of popped immediately as the front runner. Uh, he's got a lot of cards in his in his pocket. You know, he he was he kissed the ring with Biden. Uh, uh, so uh, he, he seems to have uh, uh, at least some element of, of, of connection where he can bring in national figures to give him endorsements and bolster him. And he's probably sitting on those for when, you know, he wants to build momentum, but we've never seen him in his career as a front runner because he's never run before yeah. he ran in, in the presidential election when he never really had a chance. It was admirable that he did as well as he did. Uh, so now I think you're right. Uh, uh everything that goes along with being a front runner uh, is is coming down on him. The one last yeah. question, and then I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll get you out of here. No matter who wins, is this just the worst possible political position that you could possibly have? Like you're gonna be walking into not only every problem that they that 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 De Blasio has has left, but also a city that, in in a lot of ways, is gonna look kind of more like that late '70s, early '80s New York City than than it's looked sense like like this seems like something where no 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 i'll get you four years down the road i'll start fundraising now for for, for, for 2026 yeah i i it's it's not a great job you're you're, you're entering into a down market you know yeah uh, and that's never a positive uh this is very reminiscent of ed koch yeah in the 80s uh, coming into a city that, you know, and everybody generally the city was very pro Ed Koch. It was very likable, but it was a very difficult task and it took years. I mean, it, it, you know, Giuliani was the only one that was able to do it. And that was due to, and very controversially, right? Uh, yeah. now we look back at the broken windows method and all that stuff that he did. Um, very controversial, but it did clean up the city uh, tremendously, whether or not. And I'm you know, that that's debatable on his practices. And you could have that argument for weeks. But whoever comes in now has to give a very solid answer for community uh, policing, uh, the education system within the schools, pro business, pro real estate, which is something that I'm not really hearing much about on revitalizing the real estate industry here in New York City, because you look at these numbers uh, New York City has had a de decline in in population every single year since 2011. 2011 was the last year of growth, and we've had about a 0.1 to 0.2 decline up until the pandemic, where which we saw. I mean, 
a mass exodus out of Manhattan like we've never seen before. Yeah. And they're going to have to address that. And that's a major problem because the, the here's all New York is right. New York is a beautiful facade on a really <laughs> dumpy house. Right. The house functions. It's fine. The plumbing's fine. It works. But the facade is stunning. But once you open that door, you're like, OK, you know what? I see all the problems. Yeah. But now the problem is the facade is gone. Yeah. That harm has left. So how do you as the mayor, as the guy leading this business of New York, how do you hit all those promises and all the things that people want? Forget about what side political you fall on. And, and I'll wrap it up with this. Forget about the political affiliation you have. There's not one person in this city that is saying, you know what, I'm for high crimes and I'm for the homelessness and I'm for lack of businesses and I'm for making less money. It doesn't work like that, no matter yeah. where you fall. So this election should not be about uh, political affiliation, identity politics. Take that all out. Do what's best for New Yorkers. No matter, It doesn't matter what neighborhood you live in. You all want the same thing. You want a safe and healthy neighborhood to live in. And that's all people want. And, and, you know, for Andrew Yang, that's going to be a big test if he could deliver that message for Eric Adams. Another big test for Mateo on the Republican side and even Curtis Lewa screaming around Manhattan like a lunatic on a <laughs> megaphone. He's going to have to address that. Yeah, uh, I, I'm I think for Andrew Yang, his ability is that he's not yelling at me when he's telling me stuff. Yes. And I think that's the problem that a lot of politicians fall into. And I think people are a little disconnected from that because they, they see right through. All that I think Andrew Yang is very charming in that sense. I think Eric Adams is good with that. Um, it, I, it, I, I think Yang Yang matches the moment in that he's the anti De Blasio of like where where De Blasio is a lot of bluster. He's he's uh, you know it, it, his jokes are either mean or condescending. Uh, he's got that that big weird fake smile. Like Andrew Yang, even when he's being energetic or being a meme, he's like a dorkable, like he's dork. Yeah. He's very likable. He's a dorkable. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah, and, very, and that's like, it's like, okay, well he'll, I could yell at him and I feel like he'd listen as opposed yeah. to, you know, do like your, your fake Bill Clinton. I can feel your pain kind of thing that, that I think yeah. in general politicians are really into. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be a very interesting, I mean, and also by the way, there's tons of other candidates that nobody's talking about. Well, right. and, and I think that that's going to remain as such because this 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 primary is, uh, you know, only a couple months away in, in, in June. And, and if you're if you're not tracking now, it's going to be really, really hard for you to track between now and then. Yeah, I it, it, it's, it's going to be very interesting, but I'm glad that Jeff Zucker's not running. I'm, I'm happy about that. Oh, oh Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. He was uh, a front runner at one point. All right. Uh, Andrew Zarian. Of course. Uh, where can people find you? I don't, I don't know. I don't know what we should uh, uh, point to uh, point people to because uh, you, you wear so many hats. Uh, I do a technology show. I do a pro wrestling show. I would say follow me on Twitter at Andrews Aaron. I also complain about the city a lot in, on my Twitter. Timeline. I think that's so. really where the majority of your city complaints are, are on are on your Twitter. So we will direct it's, people there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go to my Twitter at Andrews Aaron. Uh, thank you very much. Justin, thank you. Always. And that wraps it up for us today. A reminder that you can always uh, uh, just make our guests feel good. It always pleases me when there's like two or three people that that as soon as we uh, as soon as the episode is out and they're always different people that 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 dig our guests that you make our guests feel good. You go to px3guest.com. 
you 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 tell them I enjoyed you on politics, 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 man. Like, I, I just think that that stuff matters. Sending that love out into the world matters. And and I'm going to ask you personally to do it for my boy, Andrew Zarian. Uh, uh, I have known Andrew Zarian. It actually tripped me out the other day. Somebody who's like a, a big fan of the show didn't know some of the old stuff I've done. Didn't know that I used to work at the at, at, at the Twit Network or do a podcast for, for Leo Laporte's Twit Network. Uh, so it's striking me now that some of you guys might not know that. Uh, but it just shows you how long I've been doing this that like I just presume that people sort of know my backstory and where I came from. But a lot of people don't. Anyway, that's all to say that I've known Andrew Zarian forever. And he his success in in so many different fields has been awesome to watch. Uh, to see him uh, grow his family and and uh, his, his his lovely wife and their and their two kids uh, has just been great. So because I love Andrew Zarian, I'm asking y'all to show him some love. Head on over to px3guest.com and let him know that you enjoyed him on the podcast. Because he, he's never done political stuff before, but he's he's great at it, right? Okay, you can email the show, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter at px3tweets. You can find us on Twitch when we get back to our live streams after I'm done moving at px3live.com. You can find our newsletter, px3newsletter.com. You can support this podcast at px3podcast.com. And if you'd like to support us financially, there's a couple ways that you can do it. The first is our PayPal, paypal.me slash payjury. The second is our cash app, px3cash is where that goes. And then, of course, there's the Venmo buckaroos. The folks on Venmo who send me $1 if they like this episode. Just a quick transaction on Venmo because Venmo cash isn't real, just the old tip in the old tip jar if you liked the program. I'm going to give the shout out this time to Ian Johnson, who, who just gave me a dollar and then every moving truck emoji that they have in Venmo. He is my Venmo buckaroo as well. All right, that'll wrap it up for us this week. Now, next week's going to be a little different. If there is massive breaking news, I'm going to include it in the podcast. But by and large, they are going to be a little bit in the can. But they're going to be awesome. Trust me. We will have an hour-long version of the political triad. Justin, Andrew Heaton, Jen Briney. We're going Broadway, the full hour for you guys. That's going to be Wednesday's episode and Friday's episode will bring us the final of our amendment bracket, uh, as well as an interview with, uh, with one of our favorites here in the PX3 universe, Jack Allison. All right. Till then, uh, a lot of me on the road. If uh, you want updates on that, get on our TakePoliticsSeriously.com 
$3 level because those will still be done as live throughout the week. Of course, if you want to get your name read on the show, you can be a part of the Titanic $10 tier. They are as follows. Headphones, Neil, Dr. G, the other half of Whiskey Wednesday, Idris, the Government Unfiltered Podcast, 100 Mile Runner, Berkeley Steven, Kathy Mack, Zombie Doc, D, really? Methuselah, Honeythuckle, The Jed, Middle-Aged Mike, Cujo.com, Junkie, Calamity, Zap, D, Laser, and Gloria Young for King of the New World Order. Utah, Jimmy, Montana, appraisers are awesome. Snuffies. Off Route 44. Charles, Archie, David, Olin, and Angela. DL, Miranda, Janelle, Jenny, Robert, Casey, Paul, the most conscientious nonpartisan listeners. Brad, Richard, just another pilot, Frozen Summers, Jay Pink, and Andrew. You want to join their ranks again? You head on over to takepoliticsseriously.com. Until next time, though, this is your old pal Justin Robert Young saying some shows talk about politics. Others, well, they talk about politics and still more. They're talking about politics. But this, this is the only program that dares talk about how. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio.